This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everybody. It is the Christmas season, and we have a delightful podcast for you today. We're going to be talking about Revelation and Christmas. And I know it may sound like those two don't go together, but hopefully, as Kathy Hikes and I visit with you today, we'll try to integrate and talk a little bit about what the passage in Revelation 12 helps us to understand in regard to Christmas. So welcome, Kathy. Great to have you with us. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about who you are and just... um, your connection with New Hope Church and so I have been going to New Hope for almost since it was a tiny baby yeah that's right <laughs> so we've been here for quite a while and I've watched the kids grow up and it's been a lot of fun to see you know a lot of the, the people who are now missionaries or have children of their own uh, grow from from very young children so that's that's been quite fun to see that and um, I right now have a we have a little Bible study women's Bible study and we're studying Revelation so I'm assuming that's why you picked me <laughs> that is why in fact it was Jake's idea as you all you know Jake's our sound engineer and we're right. uh, dialoguing about ideas and he said did you know they're studying Revelation I said oh, I didn't know that that's perfect yeah yeah so Tell us a little bit about how you happen to choose Revelation to study, because most people are like intimidated. Right. <laughs> well, um, I did. I studied Revelation with the BSF women a couple of years ago, and so uh, the women in our Bible study said, "Okay, Kathy, now that you know all there is to know about Revelation, ah, yes. uh-huh. <laughs> you can lead our our group." And uh, so the the idea was born. And um, we did several books before we finally came to Revelation, and we said, well, let's go for it. So we did. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, you know, we had a sermon series here at New Hope in Revelation 2 and 3, and so in my own private devotions, I decided to go on just reading and studying and thinking about Revelation as well. And honestly, down through the years, I've done a few sermons from Revelation, but it is a rather daunting book. And though I've preached through many different books during my preaching years, Revelation is one I've never gone all the way through. Right. <laughs> and I think <laughs> we, were, we were talking about that, that, yeah, it's one of those books of the Bible that we tend to ignore. But the fact is that if we use sound Bible interpretation principles, we may not be able to get everything, but we can certainly come to important understanding of what it means. Yes. yes. And so when we approach the book of Revelation, sometimes people get all hooked on trying to detail every forthcoming event. And I think they really miss the primary intent of the book to show the awesome glory of who Jesus is and the overcoming that we experience with him. And this passage points right to that overcoming. And that's why it's connected with Christmas. Right. Yes. Well, yeah. Beautiful passage. Yes. That um, sheds so, so much light 
on that that event you know historical event we yes. think of Christmas as uh, you know the tiny baby yes. in the manger with yes. sheep and and donkeys and yes. <laughs> and in a in a cave or in a in a barn or something and angels all around and shepherds coming to visit and um, and that's this sheds such a, a different dimension it does. on that on that event yeah people we all have in our minds. Jesus, no crying he makes. No, well, that's right. not true. A baby's cry. <laughs> baby's cry. <laughs> and uh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. And silent night, holy night. And these, these are all beautiful images. And we can certainly celebrate the truths in these hymns and the truths of what it means for the family of Joseph and Mary and Jesus, and yet we must go beyond that because that really does not express the full intent of what it means that the Savior came into the world. Exactly. Yeah, and so Revelation does exactly this. In Revelation 12, it shifts the point of view. We're given this spiritual point, this uh, behind-the-scenes view as John himself, these things were revealed to him, and he's writing them down on, in what he sees. Some of it seems a little strange, but it is the, they're pictures yes. of uh, what is going on. Yes, and John was, you know, he was a poet. Yes. And a lot of the things that he, he talks about are symbolic. Yes. Uh, so, you know, we have to remember all of those things, you know, you know, the numbers, they they mean other, they, yes. they mean things, they but point. not specific. Yes, <laughs> right. yes exactly. So, right. They're so, real, they're and real. Yet, yet they're symbols. Right, exactly. Right. So let's start with verses 1 through 6. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. So who are these characters? <laughs> a woman, a child, yes. a dragon. Yes. How do you see it, Kathy? Well, I see the male child who, um, what, what did they say? He, the male child was to rule the nations yes. with a rod of iron. Yes. I can't anything but Christ. Yes. Yeah. It really <laughs> so shows his authority. Start, yeah, you start with what you really, you know, is obvious that that is Christ. So um, then I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about um, the dragon. Yeah. We know that the dragon uh, is, is, Satan is named the dragon. Uh, he's got Many names: the serpent, 
Yes, all the, the way devil, back to Genesis. The, yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we have to assume that this red dragon with the, all these heads and crowns on his heads has to um, be the embodiment of Satan. Yes. That's what I assumed. Yes, I do Tell too. me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I'm right with you. But the really hard question is, who's the woman? Okay, right. Well, the woman, um, I, I, when you read the whole chapter, I feel like the woman is, um, uh, she could be Israel, she could be the the remnant of Israel, the one, the, the remnant of Israel that believed in God and, and kept His commands and kept His, mm -hmm. and then the the Israel that also then accepted the Messiah. Yes, the people of God. People of God. Yeah, the people of God who who accept that Jesus was um, His Son and then He came to to rescue us. I would agree, and so people identify that woman in various ways. But I think uh, when you go to passages in Isaiah, we won't look all these up, in Hosea, Micah, uh, all these, I think, point to the reality that this woman was is representing, symbolizing the people of God. And she gives birth. And so Jesus comes. And then there's this reaction. And Again, we're talking about the Incarnation. We're talking about Christmas. And there's a reaction that happens. Right. So can you imagine, you know, we were talking about what you always think of yeah. Christmas. And and when you look at it through John's eyes, you know, you don't think of this baby as just about to be snatched right. by a dragon. Yeah, a violent devoured. action. <laughs> devoured by dra a dragon. Yeah. And... And we were talking in our Bible study, and it's so interesting that John um, talks about the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ in one short little sentence. Yes, it really covers because the panorama of the all of thing, history. Yeah, right. And then Jesus is snatched up into heaven and, and put on His throne. You know, that's a very short, you know, a, a huge part of, of of the gospel. But a, a very short sentence in in uh, Revelation. Yes. And uh, you can just imagine the dragon. He's. Um, I mean, I I feel like how many times was Jesus rescued? Um, you know, as a as a child. Yes. You know, um, and as an adult. They went adults, down to Egypt and then Herod wiped out all the babies. How many babies? Yeah, two died. years old under the. Yes. Yeah. Because this dragon was, you know, yes. embodied. Herod, yes, trying to destroy this child. Yes. Yeah. So we're looking at what was going on behind the scenes. Is talking about these stars in the sky being flung to Earth, and many commentators, I would tend to agree, that this is talking about the demonic beings who were angels who fell with Satan, and there's warfare going on. Right. The Christmas story is told here is a war, and right. so it, it's remarkable. Yes. So I, I've, I, when I was reading this, I was thinking, well, was the war, um, did the war in heaven begin because of the the birth 
and the resur and the death and the resurrection of Christ, or did was that all? Did that all happen after? I mean, of course, God is a God that doesn't. Yes. Time is nothing. It's not. Right. <laughs> so so anyhow, you know, Jesus. They talk about Jesus saying that I saw Satan fall from, yes. from heaven like lightning or something mm -hmm. like that, and, and so um, so it's. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Well, it's all mixed together it's, here. It's all mixed together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms of right. the time frame. Right. So, are you going to go ahead and read the next part then? Why don't you go ahead and do that? Oh, you from want me to? Seven okay. through twelve. All right. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Amen. Yeah, I love verse 10. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. And then there's great comfort for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And when we feel ashamed, when we feel like our sins are being reminded and rolling over again and again in our minds, when we're intimidated, when depression's coming upon us, we can proclaim that we have the power of Jesus' kingdom, of the Messiah, and we don't have to fold under the accusations of Absolutely. Satan. Yeah. Yeah. And we, one of the women reminded us of Romans chapter 8. Yes. Who can separate us from love? Uh, Amen. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so now I have a question for you. Well, we'll see if I can answer it. <laughs> so, um, um, so let's see, what was I thinking? Um, the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Mm -hmm. So before this happened, you know, we talked about Job and, and how, how yeah. Satan went to set to God Certainly. and accused Job of, uh, he's just good because you bless him. You give him all everything he could possibly want. Yeah. He's not really a servant of yours. Mm -hmm. And so he was he was there, I feel like, in, in God's presence. So now after this, could, could he do that to, to all of us before this, this this event? And then after this event, I feel like after Jesus, you know, bore our sins and, 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 and bled and died for us and was risen, that after that, that Satan could not have an audience with God anymore. That because of Christ's blood... Mm -hmm. That he he could not then approach God anymore. He's he's here. He's he can accuse us to ourselves. He can he can he can say, oh, you know, you blew it. You're you're not a Christian. You're yes. you're, you're scum. 
but he cannot say that to Jesus, to God. Yeah, I would agree with that. We need to remember that Job is one of the earliest books that right. was ever written, and so we have an understanding from, like you said, from the Old Testament and from before Christ. And so, yeah, I, I just say I'm in agreement with you in terms of what you're saying. And I think the thing also to remember is that he could not come to God unless God allowed him to do that. And so it should give us reassurance that, as well that God is in control. Like uh, we were talking when we were going through the book of Daniel, despite what happens, God is still in control. And so, yeah, we don't we don't need to worry about that. Um, he is uh, Satan is defanged, and uh, Jesus is triumphant and has overcome. And so that I mean, this section really announces that and encourages us in that we triumph. Like you said, verse eleven by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus' death on the cross, which frees us, which forgives us, which provides peace for us. And so, yeah, we need not fear. Right. Are you going to read the next part then? Uh, sure, let's go on. <laughs> I know this was the part you really wanted to get to. And, uh, and I will be interested to know why this is really important to you. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Which is us. Yes. He's waging war against us. Yes. So you were very eager to make sure well, that I just, we covered this. Why? Well, why I just that? feel like, you know, that's part of the chapter, right? We're doing chapter 12. Yes. <laughs> so um, the, the, the women that I uh, um, did this Bible study with, um, we were talking about this, and, um, you know, God rescues the woman, gives her wings so that she can, can fly into the wilderness and, and be protected. And um, then the serpent, uh, not to be outdone, yeah. <laughs> decides, okay, I'm going to pour water, spew water out of my mouth. And so one of our women said, well, water um, can also symbolize God's word, and so if if Satan is spewing the the words word out, but they're adulterated words, they're not God's words. They're they're twist. He's twisting God's words. He's going to try to twist um, what what God says to to um, destroy yes. the, the the woman and her offspring. And so I thought that was so interesting. Because, um, you know, Satan wants to deceive us. He makes war. That's how he makes war. He doesn't use a knife and yes. a sword. Yes. You know, he's very, um, very wily and very deceptive. And so um, is he using, even now, 
God's word to deceive the, the, the people that, you know, you know, it's so easy to just turn on the radio, flip on the TV, listen to a podcast <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And, and instead of searching out the truth in the word of God, prayerfully searching every yes. day, listening to God's word, listening to his spirit mm-hmm. um, and, and taking in that food for yeah. yourself. Yes, that's great. Uh, just in terms of uh, how we think about this over in 2 Corinthians 10, it talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. And those wrong thoughts, those false ideas that originated satanically, um, recognizing those, recognizing when they're wrong, when they're off track, and bring those under submission to Jesus, his love, his purity, his goodness, his peace, his joy. And, yeah, really, you go from the chaos of what Satan is doing here to the peace that Jesus brings, and that's a process for every one of us every day. Though, though we, I mean, oftentimes uh, Satan's ways are very hidden, and so... That's why I say this is really behind the scenes, all these things going on. And Satan uses the world and our own sinful nature. And so he himself doesn't have to appear. Demonic beings don't appear. It's it's all part of the energizing of our own sinful nature and the world that brings wrong thoughts and the culture we live in. But what this passage does is it gives us great hope for that victory and to know that victory is won even on those dark days when we're struggling and forgetting that God has accomplished his victory and he will in our lives as well. And you know, uh, Jake, we had, we, we did um, a, a very good, I thought, uh, devotional last night for kids about how you know, Jesus came to a little town, and it was called Nazareth. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? And he was born of a poor, poor people. They, they, they were uneducated. They were, mm-hmm. they were not royalty. They were, they were not high echelons in society. And and through through God's, you know, divine will, He just turned all the things. Um, that culture and that people valued as on its ear and here's jesus born in a in a cave you know under the ground and and of very poor poor people and and who did he use for his disciples uneducated fishermen and you know he did he value was his value the people that had power versus value the people that had money it was, you know, so he turned, he turned everything on its, on its ear, and, and uh, Satan, you know, he wants us to keep those values that, that were pre, pre-Jesus. Yes. You know, the king, the mighty king, well, he's going to come as a king, well, the, the Jews thought, well, this little tiny shepherd boy, or this little carpenter's uh, son, he couldn't possibly be the Messiah, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, we can all think of people, young people especially, and so that's a great message, Jake. And yeah. just think about some of the situations that people go through and the really 
difficult kinds of things, and maybe some of you who are listening, it's a difficult time, or you think about your own family of origin, or a family you know, a person you know, a young person, and God can do this. We've all seen it. Oh, he just takes and turns things upside down. But I think if we're not aware of it, not looking for these kinds of opportunities to share the victory of Jesus, then we've really missed out on really how God wants to use us. God will accomplish his purposes no matter what, but it is exciting when we can be involved in people's lives in a way that to really show the victory that Jesus has. And, you know, that's why it's so important to be in God's Word as well, so that we aren't deceived, so that we don't get off track. And so I really appreciate, Kathy, that you guys are involved in Bible study and digging in and even going into the hard places in Scripture. So you've got some difficult chapters coming up in your Bible (laughs) study. (laughs) All sorts of things like bowls. Of wrath, yeah, yes. trumpets. You've already done the trumpets, especially. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's lots right. Of tr- lots yeah. of bulls, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> lots of bulls. <laughs> and, but we know how it turns out in the end. Yes. Well, thank you, everybody. And as you go about your Christmas activities and you're wondering what is wrong with the world, what's going on, what's uh, why the struggle. I'd encourage you to dig into this chapter. It answers some of those questions for why we have a struggle, and it also answers questions for how we approach the struggle, that we come as soldiers in the midst of a war that's going on, and so Christmas time, we don't necessarily think of ourselves as soldiers, but this passage really sets the scene that we need to be ready to take our stand and recognize that the war has been won, and so we can stand strong with Jesus, not by ourselves, but in him and his power. And this is really the true meaning of Christmas, is that what God has done and what he will do, and so keep that hope in the midst of difficult times, because I know you know, we have these idealized kinds of viewpoints sometimes at Christmas, and things fall apart, and especially this year. Some of us aren't going to be able to gather with the numbers of people that we gathered with in the past, with in the past or maybe not with anybody, and it's easy to get down. And so just I encourage you, recenter your thoughts and just uh, continue. Go to God, his help, his life. In our prayer, Jesus, just you come quickly and so rescue us from all of this. And so we look forward to that someday, somehow. And so thank you, everybody. Thank you, Kathy, for sharing a little bit with us. Yep. 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 God bless.